0: Welcome to The Leading Tone, your
1: source for anything classical or jazz. I'm Fernando. And I'm Alex, and welcome to The Leading Tone Season 2 premiere. We are so excited to be back to talk about some great music. Today's topic is themes, and the music we are using is that of Richard Strauss, the German late Romantic and 20th century composer.
0: The distinction between late Romantic and 20th century is important, as Richard Strauss had quite the long career. In fact, He had a staggering 78-year career, with his first composition dating back to 1870. His first documented work, his Polka for piano, was composed at only age 6.
1: Meanwhile, his final work, his four last songs for soprano and orchestra, was composed in 1949. This would also tragically be the final of his 85 years on this earth.
0: Richard Strauss holds quite the legacy across many genres. His early career mainly consists of the German lead, or songs, as well as smaller chamber works. He would move on to large, expansive orchestral works. This would include his operas, as well as his famous tone poems, which we'll be discussing today.
1: is from the stirringly powerful tone poem by Richard Strauss, The Alpine Symphony. Written in 1915, this work is meant to portray the beauty of the Bavarian Alps. In fact, this particular spot of the work is meant to represent the
0: sunrise as the brave climbers prepare to start their journey.
1: This is Strauss at his absolute finest. This entire work borrows from a bevy of musical representation of things and situations. For example, this next excerpt
0: deals with the climbers beginning their ascent. Let's take a quick listen. from the motion of the melody alone, you might be able to imagine reaching up and slipping down the mountainside on an arduous journey. It's not musical magic here. In fact, it's all due to the strong theme Strauss presents. Now, Fernando, can you explain what a musical theme is to our audiences? Just like a subject line of a sentence, this specific sequence of pitches introduced here becomes a recognizable aspect of this music, representing the idea of the ascent. In music, recognizable and significant melodies, harmonies, and rhythms can be seen as the subject
1: of the work. We call these themes. That's right. This theme has a strong melody that rises and falls to represent the climb up the peak of the mountain. A strong theme has either melodic, harmonic, or rhythmic features that really stand out and can be developed throughout the work. This excerpt from the Alpine Symphony is definitely a theme because of its strong melody. Can there be more than one theme in a work? If that was a rule, Richard Strauss would certainly have broken it. In fact, composers typically use different themes to convey different moods. In programmatic music such as this, these themes are typically representing some kind of idea. As we mentioned before, the concept of the theme is the subject of our topic today. To give a more formal
0: definition, Grove Dictionary defines theme as the musical material on which part or all of a work is based, usually having a recognizable melody and sometimes perceivable as a complete musical expression in itself, independent of the work to which it belongs. It gives a work its identity even when, as is frequently the case with the theme and variations, it is not original to the work.
1: Now, Strauss is known for iconic themes and motives. You're likely familiar with the one from his work, Also Sprock, Zarathustra, famously featured in the film 2001, A Space Odyssey.
0: Strauss wrote 10 works in the genre of tone poems, and also Sprock is just one of them. These tone poems are the peak of programmatic music introduced in the Romantic period.
1: And to recap briefly, the Romantic period of music was the rise of more programmatic music that included subjects of spiritual, autobiographical, and nationalist topics.
0: Strauss wrote his tone poems beginning at the tail end of the 19th century and the beginning of the 20th century.
1: This period, which we have coined the turn of the century, was a time of intense change in the world of music.
0: Richard Strauss himself was going through a time of reflection in his music. His first opera, Guntram, had failed amongst critics and audiences alike. This was perhaps due to the immense influence Richard Wagner held on the German opera genre during the
1: time. Strauss used his first tone poems to explore the relationship of narrative and music purely in the realm of orchestra. Without the bounds of a libretto or a written script that you might see in an opera, Strauss wrote some of his most important works for the orchestral repertoire.
0: Back to the concept of the theme, let's take a listen to one of the premier tone poems by Richard Strauss. This is his Ein Heldenleben. That was the short excerpt of the first movement of Richard Strauss' Ein Heldenleben. This first movement is subtitled
1: simply, The Hero. Quite heroic indeed. The heroes, in this case, are the musicians. This music is incredibly virtuosic. From the first measure alone, the horn section has to play the majority of their range.
0: Besides the virtuosity, it presents the primary theme of this work. It will continue to develop as the work continues. Here are some examples from later on in the work.
1: In fact, if we jump back to the example of the Alpine Symphony, we heard some themes there as well. Similarly, this theme is iterated upon throughout as well. The sunrise, for example, turns to sunset. a different mood entirely, but still incredibly similar thematic material.
0: In an essay, Arnold Schoenberg, another composer from this time period, is quoted as saying, whatever happens in a piece of music is the endless reshaping of the basic shape. There is nothing in a piece of music, but what comes from the theme, springs from it and can be traced back to it. To put it still more severely, nothing but the theme itself.
1: That is a great analysis from a great composer. Strauss embodies this in his music with his development of the hero's theme in Ein Heldenleben, in particular. You even hear some development within just the first excerpt from that piece that we played for you. He takes this idea of the hero and puts him in several imaginary scenarios.
0: Well, as we all know, heroes never go unopposed.
1: That is correct, Fernando. The second movement of this work is titled The Hero's Adversaries.
0: The theme for the hero's adversaries occurs first in the flute, and continues to be iterated upon throughout the movement and the work itself. Quite a nefarious sounding excerpt.
1: Let's dive a little deeper into the madness of this movement. That was the flute part from the outset of this movement. It was said that the adversaries were in one way or another the critics of Richard Strauss and his music.
0: And that theme is not the only theme representing the adversaries. This theme in the tubas juxtaposes the flutes and oboes and adds an ominous layer to the music.
1: It's also another musical representation of the critics of Strauss.
0: These two excerpts we just listened to fall under the thematic umbrella, but aren't quite long enough to be considered a theme or a subject. This is a great example of what is called a
1: motif. A motif is defined as a short musical idea, whether it be melodic, harmonic, rhythmic, or any combination of these three. A motif may be of any size, but most commonly it is regarded as the shortest subdivision of a theme or phrase that still maintains its identity as a musical idea. Notice anything particularly triumphant in this excerpt, Fernando?
0: It appears that we found our way back to the development of the initial hero's theme,
1: and it is a great example of motif once again, with a call and response. Here's the call, and now the response. <laughs> The triumphant response to the motif serves as a nice bookend to a darker chapter in the hero story.
0: Both themes and motifs are incredibly important to narratively driven music. From John Williams' Imperial March from Star Wars, to the poems of Richard Strauss, and even to the operas by Puccini.
1: So if you like the music from Star Wars, check out the music of Richard Strauss. The same fundamental principles of themes and motifs are present here many years before John Williams stepped onto the scene. That is the element that makes both Strauss and John Williams' music so listenable. They tell a story. Now here is another
0: excerpt from the fourth movement, The Hero at Battle. (laughs)
1: Chaotic and warlike, what makes this so impactful, Fernando?
0: This theme takes quite a bit melodically from the hero's theme, as well as the adversaries. The logical conclusion here is that the conflict has brought these two themes together to create this driving war music.
1: With all battles, there must be a victor crown. With this next excerpt, we'll let you determine who emerges triumphant.
0: For our attentive listeners, you heard the triumphant return of the hero's theme in all of its glory, giving way to new, perhaps even more beautiful thematic material based upon it.
1: This is my personal favorite moment from this work, and it is treated as a great climax to the physical part of the hero's journey. In terms of themes, we've come full circle now. The question then arises for the remaining two movements of this work, where does our hero go from here? The next
0: movement is titled, The Hero's Works of Peace. Let's take a quick listen. If you're a fan of Richard Strauss, you might recognize this next motif. Strauss, in this case, appears to be the hero of his own story. This motif is a quote from his earlier tone poem entitled Don Juan, so the work of peace in this case is his past tone poems. This narrative is meant to parallel his musical journey. His first opera, Guntram, failed, and now his tone poems are meant to be a heroic journey through his career up until this point.
1: But Strauss did not see himself as a hero per se. While he did insist on conducting it at its premiere, he refused to take credit as the titular hero of Ein Heldenleben.
0: To a writer, though, he expressed that he found himself no less interesting than Napoleon.
1: You know, Fernando, that brings up another great connection. This is not the only work that has ties with the infamous Napoleon Bonaparte. Fernando, fill us in.
0: Well, Beethoven's Third Symphony just may have been dedicated to Napoleon before Napoleon proclaimed himself the Emperor of France.
1: That was the opening of Beethoven's Eroica. Notice the principal theme sounds vaguely reminiscent of the hero's theme from Ein Heldenleben. Why is that, Fernando?
0: You might hear some similarity because both of the themes are triadic. This means that the main melody is built upon a simple three-note chord.
1: Well said, Fernando. These are great examples of heroic-sounding triadic melodies that are incredibly similar structurally.
0: Let's go ahead and move on to the final movement of Richard Strauss' Ein Heldenleben. After a lifetime of adventuring, the final chapter of this work is entitled The hero's retirement from this world and completion.
1: What an amazingly descriptive and evocative title. It draws parallels with the ancient Greek story of Odysseus, as well as maybe the more modern fantasy epic, The Lord of the Rings.
0: This movement offers some great respite from the hero's long journey. Let's take a listen. What a contrast from the rest of this monumental work.
1: Interestingly, the deliberate callbacks to the hero's theme are far more subtle when compared to the previous movements of this work. This technique is really common in composition.
0: Composers like to hide hidden gems in their music that take some deeper analysis to find. In this case, Strauss is using the familiar home key of E-flat with the hero's theme. This alone perpetuates a feeling of familiarity that represents the quiet conclusion of this hero's story.
1: This has been such an exciting musical journey through the tone poems of Richard Strauss. For our final listening today, we'd like to expose you to one more work with strong themes by Richard Strauss.
0: This is another favorite of ours, Till Eulenspiegel's Merry Pranks. Quite a whimsical title, for quite a whimsical work. Let's take a listen. A bit longer of an excerpt this time, but we hope you were able to put your skills to the test and find some great and fun themes.
1: That was Till Eulenspiegel's Merry Pranks. What a great way to finish off the listening portion of today's episode. The Alpine Symphony, Ein Heldenleben, and Till Eulenspiegel are all easily some of my favorite orchestral works of all time. For a spell, Richard Strauss was actually my favorite composer, and with today's listening I bet you can hear why.
0: Most definitely, Alex. Let's recap what we've learned in this episode of The Leading Tone. Today, we've had great examples of themes, thematic development, motif,
1: all in these beautiful works by Richard Strauss. Thank you all for joining us today on The Leading Tone. If you are enjoying our format changes for season two, let us know in the comments or the review sections. I'm Fernando, and I'm Alex, and we'll see you next Wednesday for some more of The Leading Tone.
0: Thanks for listening to The Leading Tone Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on social media.
1: You can find us on Instagram at The Leading Tone Podcast, as well as Facebook.
0: For any other questions or inquiries, please feel free to email us at theleadingtonepodcast at gmail.com.
1: Thanks for listening.